Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Where not just women are in danger, but all marginalized people. Where being uniquely different right now might truly be considered a crime. It seems as though we had all slipped into a false sense of comfort. That justice would prevail and that good would win in the end. Well, good did not win this election, but good will win in the end. So what today means is that we are far from the end. Today marks the beginning, the beginning of our story, the revolution starts here. The fight for the right to be free, to be who we are, to be equal. Let's march together through this darkness and with each step know that we are not afraid. that we are not alone, that we will not back down, that there is power in our unity, and that no opposing force stands a chance in the face of true solidarity. And to our detractors that insist that this march will never add up to anything. Austin Red here with Friday Java, a weekly magazine of political theory, polling, and commentary. It is part of the Pian history called people that make up this fascinating journey. We are part of the Obama network. For that, we make no apologies. What we pledge to do is give you the facts on a bridge to history, what body politics is, the most up-to-date theories of political science and cephalic. Stay tuned for this incredible ride. Boston Red, peace out. This is Friday Java on the 1st of February, 2019, from WBRN Radio and on the Boston Red Network. This is our uh, magazine program, we call it, and we will have an opportunity to live up to the name today. Also, this is African History Month, uh, the month of February, and we'll have special programming on African history. This uh, particular day was uh, brought to the American nation by uh, Dr. Carter 
G. Uh, Woodson, a, a, a historian, uh, and he uh, took an opportunity to present to the nation the, ad the advances that African people were uh, making in the nation. It was one day at the time, and yet uh, through an evolutionary process uh, to a whole month, and it's in February now, moving uh, from a Negro History uh, Day to uh, month, and then on to Black History uh, Month in the uh, 70s, and now we have uh, the uh, African History Month. We'll start out here with something that has been on the mind of many. It's called a polar vortex. We'll fall back on the, wash, on the uh, New York Times. A closer look at the uh, polar vortex, uh, dangerously cold winds. Chicago will be as cold as the Arctic on a Wednesday. This article, incidentally, was written on the 31st of January, and we'll go to Chicago in a minute. Temperatures will plummet to a minus 26 degrees of Fahrenheit and a, in Chicago and a minus 31 in Madison, Wisconsin. On Wednesday night, uh, the worst cold has gripped the upper Midwest in a generation. Parts of uh, parts of Alaska, and on the other hand, are unseasonably warm. What is causing the extreme cold across the United States? The polar vortex, an ominous-sounding system of wind and cold air over the North Pole, broke apart this month, and here's how it's bringing a dangerously cold to the nation. The vortex... Uh, Spins to life every uh, winter, 10 miles above the uh, ground, uh, seen on the uh, 22nd of December. Typically, it has a, a single center surrounded by a, a wall of powerful winds, but sometimes it weakens and uh, shifting and even breaks into pieces. We put this on our uh, Facebook uh, page. And it shows it actually spinning around and splitting into pieces here. Very good. You can find it on Facebook, uh, on our Facebook page. Then the uh, coal arrives. The split uh, takes uh, two weeks to affect the uh, the weather pattern. It uh, warps the uh, polar, uh, or polar, excuse me, jet uh, stream and uh, bringing freezing Arctic air south and uh, warms the uh, air in the north. Parts of the Midwest were expected on uh, Tuesday night to have a wind chill of minus 60 degrees. Dr. Cohen says uh, extreme weather could continue for six to eight weeks after the spin. The effects of the polar uh, vortex uh, could uh, become uh, more frequent and severe. Scientists looking at links between uh, climate change and the polar Vortex believe that the uh, rapid warming Arctic uh, could bring about more intense periods of cold snaps and storms than uh, ever as a winter becomes shorter and warmer. So this is some of the uh, information we have here. Have it spinning around. Let's go out to the Windy City, Chicago. Record... Uh, with the coldest temperatures ever fall as a polar vortex uh, 
has the city in his crosshair. This is from the uh, Chicago uh, Tribune. On the uh, 30th of uh, January, one of the coldest air masses in years will uh, envelop the Midwest and uh, the uh, Northeast this weekend, bringing periodic uh, life-threatening low temperatures to Chicago. The coldest temperatures of the year will arrive midweek by early Wednesday, plummeted to uh, 23 below. Uh, Thursday morning will tumble from to minus uh, 26, matching Chicago's uh, coldest temperature ever recorded on uh, January the 20th, 1985. The coldest daytime high in Chicago was minus 11 on Christmas Eve uh, 1983. For Generation Z, Chicago was born since the 90s. The uh, burst of Arctic air set, uh, set to overtake the city this week could be the coldest day of their lives, and only rival it is uh, the minus 19 in uh, February the 3rd of 1996. And let me move along here. Uh, the wintry onslaught that will be driven by the... Uh, Northern Hemisphere's uh, polar uh, vortex, which we just described. The temperatures rise in the Arctic, and the polar jet stream, the torrent of westerly uh, winds that hold the uh, polar vortex in place can weaken and, of course, split, as the other article said. And let's see, what else do we have here? Temperatures continue with wind. It could lead uh, to the onset of frostbite in less than 30 minutes. Uh, in some areas, they did, in fact, uh, have a frostbite. Let me go over here, and we'll go uh, to the uh, dangerous deep freeze, is the article um, on, I guess, what would be the front page of the uh, Tribune. And let's go to Ed. Zero is going to feel uh, good, no doubt about it. This is on the 31st. This would have been January the 31st. Uh, it wasn't an all-time record. It wasn't even as cold as the day before. But the polar vortex uh, held uh, northern uh, Illinois in an ice grip for the second straight day, made of, uh, extremely unpleasant and dangerous conditions across Illinois and northwest Indiana. The mercury, mercury excuse me, uh, plunged uh, to uh, 21 degrees below zero. That was on Thursday at O'Hare at Airport. Two degrees warmer than on Wednesday. And that's a record was set in 1985. I was surprised when I walked outside. My face hurt. That is from Nick uh, Dulini. Hopefully we got his name right. Away from the lake, the temperatures were even colder. Aurora uh, Logged in uh, minus 32, Rockford, uh, Illinois, down closer to the going uh, 31 uh, below zero. Health officials had at least one uh, correlated death, a hospital in uh, the central part of the state, as a result of the deep freeze. And some people died in garages all over the place. The uh, face uh, freezing uh, cold, uh, coupled with a day-long polar vortex snap, that descended upon the Midwest. That was on Monday night that it started out. And some of the electrical uh, out, 
operations had uh, problems. Uh, they had problems in uh, Michigan. They had problems uh, in uh, Wisconsin and Illinois. Now, the uh, Salvation Army Shelter of Hope facility is in Humboldt Park. Uh, Humboldt Park. Uh, Humboldt Park. Uh, this is not just bad weather. It, it could be considered, as we look at a public health risk, no doubt about that. The mayor uh, delivered donuts uh, to water crews and visited with uh, mechanics. And one of the things that uh, was on NPR, they were talking about uh, the setting of fire of tracks. They had to be hand switches of the rail tracks on the uh, subway trains in uh, Chicago. Water supplies uh, such as 50-pound bags of rock salt, uh, space heaters, some of the instruments of uh, destruction of that were used. Let me now go to the upper Midwest. We'll uh, go to Minnesota and see what we can see, as they say. Uh, evidently, what, Neil Young was in town. Oh, boy. Bitter coal shows uh, reliable interest energy sources are... Uh, Critical, no doubt about that. Uh, I don't think this is an advertisement for nuclear power. We'll be going with that. But uh, looking at the paper, it's minus one in uh, the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And what else do we have here? Usually um, headlines of climatic conditions uh, make it... uh, the front, no doubt about that. The front pages, uh, we can uh, usually see that happening. Uh, we don't see it here. Uh, we'll probably have to go to uh, NPR to find it. I, I, I assume that we would have it on the front pages. But we don't. Uh, what we have is uh, an article on, and we'll talk about this tomorrow night, uh, Iowa Democrats weigh Amy Klobuchar. She's a senator from uh, Minnesota's presidential ambitions. There's also an article by George Will on Amy Klobuchar. I don't know if we'll have time to get to it uh, for whatever reason. Uh, We're not... uh, There are times you don't get uh, what you expect. And I said minus uh, one... uh, Back to zero uh, today, finally, is a headline here. Uh, and the I, I think over the weekend, I know in Chicago, the temperature is going to be up in uh, the high 30s and perhaps uh, 40s. Some observer in a place called Cotton, Minnesota, uh, the temp measured uh, minus... Uh, 56 at Fahrenheit this morning. The next coldest uh, was, and I don't even try to pronounce this one, um, more than uh, 340 uh, uh, daily lows, minuses, and 340 maximum high temperatures were uh, broken. Our uh, records uh, tied in the Midwest in this Arctic uh, situation that flew into the upper Midwest. On Friday morning, we'll start another sub-zero Type of high and looking at some highs. It'll be 37 in Bismarck and 42 in Pierre. That's in South Dakota. And what else do we see here? Uh, 
Northern Minnesota to be 12 degrees and uh, Green Bay to be 16. Green Bay used to be very, very cold playing football there in uh, Green Bay. It would be 19 in Milwaukee. Just some of the temperatures are going uh, forward here. Um, so the temps will be at least above zero. We can uh, leave it uh, there. And let's look at uh, the northeast here. Well, it turned into uh, the weather channel. And see what it is here. Uh, well, let's see. Thirteen degrees right now. Uh, fan high puts that. Uh, yeah, they didn't give it Celsius, but uh, so the high today will be uh, twenty-four in uh, in Boston, West, and uh, this part of Massachusetts, and it'll be thirty-five. Not as cold on Saturday. Uh, we didn't check where the bowl is being uh, played, but. Uh, we can guess that uh, 13 is not bad uh, to be. Uh, let's go uh, to AccuWeather here. Uh, usually we go to, oh, well, we'll go to the Weather Channel. Yeah, we'll do that. 10 day forecast. I think it'll be about the same uh, today, uh, 25, uh, and the low will be uh, 14. This is on the Fahrenheit scale, uh, where the humidity is. And it'll be in the 40s. Actually, on Monday, it'll be 55, and the low will be uh, 29. And in the 40s, most of next week, uh, yeah. So that is uh, above average, at least as I can uh, recall it uh, here. And this is uh, the, uh, what is this, 10-day uh, forecast. Uh, and we look at, uh, oh, let's see. This is a weather channel owned by none other than IBM. So it's in the 20s, 25, and uh, tomorrow uh, 36 in the 40s, and uh, balmy 55 on Monday. Unbelievable uh, that you can uh, have that kind of thing uh, there. And from the public news service, where we're over here, this out of Columbus, Ohio, of the polar vortex has arrived in the Buckeye State. And the Public Utility Commission of Ohio says that uh, that it will keep uh, bills down and save wear and tear on the heating system. And indoor space heaters can provide extra warmth, he said, and can uh, be only use it with caution. That's for sub-zero um, degrees uh, weather there. And let me uh, back to the Midwest. Uh oh, I wanted to. Yeah, sometimes. I want to be in the Midwest. To uh, Wisconsin. Uh, in uh, Wisconsin, don't have anything on the, but we do on the Foxconn facility. We'll do it while we're here. Then we'll go to the people at the University of Virginia. Nonetheless, Foxconn, those are the people we're going to uh, build a facility uh, that would create 13,000 jobs in uh, Wisconsin. Racine County was where it would be located. These were going to be, quote-unquote, factory workers of blue-collar jobs. Now they switched to 
engineers is what they'll be uh, doing, but the plan evidently still poses it's a massive uh, 20 million square foot uh, complex. And it's, uh, that was going to be its manufacturing uh, plant uh, for mobile phone uh, screens, uh, laptops, which they don't sell as many anymore. We're starting to look at Watershed. This is Des Plaines uh, River. This is on the area very close uh, to Illinois. Nonetheless, uh, they were supposed to get uh, $4 billion on the deal. And we'll see where that goes. Boss Walker claims they won't get any money unless they absolutely uh, would deserve it. Now to Larry Sabato, and as we normally do, we remember a Heber Hire who was killed by white supremacists in a Charlottesville, Virginia, the home of the uh, University uh, of uh, Virginia. Anyway, oh, we go here. This is uh, Larry Sabato's... Uh, Crystal ball, he called it. The guest here is Theodore uh, Arrington. Uh, S. Arrington. He is a cephologist, a political scientist that uh, specializes in uh, House elections. The title here is Seats, Votes, Relations in a U.S. House, 1972 to uh, 2018. The key points here, after adjusting results for uncontested races, Democrats won the national popular vote by uh, seven points last fall. The size of the Democrats' national uh, national win allows them to translate their share uh, of the uh, vote into uh, roughly approximate share of seats. House maps in the 70s and in the 80s exhibited a pro-Democratic bias. Most recently, maps have a pro-Republican bias. The Koch brothers are much responsible for that. Redistricting in the U.S. House of Representatives is not a unified process, as is the case for most national legislatures. But the result of the cumulative action in the states that have more than one representative, some of these states only have one representative, and that uh, comes to uh, North Dakota, uh, Montana, I believe, and uh, the South Dakota have one also, I believe so, yeah. One common used method for analyzing the partisan nature of redistricting process is the seat vote relation. Uh, we looked at a little bit of it uh, for a longer uh, discussion of the seat vote. I think we. Uh, wait a minute. No, uh, okay. This is a little bit different here, and I guess we won't uh, have time to do it. This is at. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll have to look this article up. But nonetheless, uh, how partisan seat voting relationship in the U.S. Congress changed in uh, four uh, re reapportionment cycles since uh, the uh, 70s is the title of the article. And this is by Theodore uh, Arrington uh, on the 20th of uh, April, 2010. Okay, let's see here. The uh, 1990 redistricting cycle did not give Republicans an unfair advantage in the seat vote relationship nationwide or in the uh, southern states, but it may have reduced previous Democratic uh, bias. The 2000 cycle uh, may have given the uh, GOP a slight uh, advantage, and most uh, Districting uh, cycles with affirmative districts have increased both 
the uh, responsiveness of a congressional election and the number of opposed uh, contests. And so we're back here, Dr. Erickson here. Determining percentage of two-party vote received by the Democratic candidates for their House requires attention to two questions. The first t- question is uh, how the uh, how the county election in states that have uh, majority vote requirements with uh, runoffs after the, uh, November. That is uh, Louisiana. Now Louisiana is a jungle primary, but they do have a runoff. And the elections in uh, uh, which at all uh, candidates in the excuse me the jungle primary now jungle primary is in uh, Louisiana is without parties and of course the runoff now that also goes into California and Washington State we have a campaign against the jungle primaries because we believe a party basis is a much more democratic method of doing things in California. Billionaires and millionaires uh, put together the uh, California, what they call nonpartisan, a jungle primary, where you could have a Republican facing a Republican. This is in the general election, or you could have a uh, Democrat re- Republican, but the parties disappear. This makes it much easier for reactionary forces, uh, libertarians, etc., to come forward. It gives a slant. To those people, if the candidate in the uh, final elections are both in the same party, count the contest as as uh, unopposed for that party. If there's a runoff after November, uh, I combine the uh, vote of each party's candidate in the November election. In the second question, and we'll append this, is uh, what to do with the these and other contests uh, that lack two-party competition. I define an, uh, an opposed contest as one in which there uh, was a, both a Democrat and Republican in uh, the uh, November election on the ballot. If the uh, vote is an unopposed contest, uh, is the incumbent, incumbent uh, the uh, total for that party who has the most unopposed candidates is uh, inflated because of, uh, of their opponents uh, would uh, have received at least the same vote if the uh, vote of the unopposed candidate is excluded. Uh, the vote of the uh, party with the most unopposed candidates is, underst- is understandable because unopposed candidates would uh, undoubtedly receive a substantial majority of the votes if they were opposed. So now you see exactly what they're talking about here. One way to deal with the problem is to substitute the vote of some other sets of candidates in districts where uh, congressional candidates is on is uh, unopposed, but uh, on a national basis, the only office available for that job is the presidency, and this is the this is only available in half the congressional districts because the House election is every two years, while the presidential election is every four years. There's a great variation in uh, presidential and uh, congressional voting. Uh, that has been historic. There's a possibility that actually it will uh, change in the near future as we now see more people, at least in the last midterm. Usually midterms you have less voters. The last midterm had very robust uh, turnouts that eclipsed the last midterm election uh, in uh, 
fourteen. Wait a minute. Two thousand yeah, two thousand fourteen. And there's a formula here I won't get into it. Uh, D equals the estimate of Democratic vote, R equals the estimate of Republican vote, X is a vote for unopposed Democratic candidates, Y for opposed ones. You can mess around with that. But uh, Gary uh, Jacobson estimates the percentage of the vote that we would expect unopposed candidates uh, would receive on the average if they had been opposed in uh, the formula and at the uh, 71% which standard deviation of 10. This analysis is based upon these, uh, the support that a congressional candidate receives in an election following or preceding the one in which he or she was not opposed. That's back to the old general theory there. And this is looking at some uh, Democrats here, number of unopposed Democrats, 1972. The total number of major party candidates unopposed, it was 45, incidentally, and 61. So the average for the uh, decade was a uh, 60.8. That is from 72 to 80, and uh, from 82 uh, to 1990. In 82, the Democrats had 52 unopposed candidates. Republicans had uh, 13. And if we get down to 1990. You see things are changing a little bit here. Democrats had 45 unopposed candidates. The Republicans 37. And there were, what, 82 here. And from 82 to 1990, 71.6 was the average for the decade. Yeah. Okay. And we go from um, 1992 to 2000, 54.2 was the average. Uh, for Democrats, uh, let's see. The average for the decade was uh, 23.4. And in 2000, there were 33 Democrats on opposed 31 Republicans. You can see where this is going. And 64 total. We get into 2002. That was incidentally the election that was stolen from Al Gore of uh, Tennessee. In 2002, 37 Democrats on opposed. And it was 54. You see the ship coming here, 54 Republicans. 2004, the next race, it was... Uh, 28 Democrats and 32 Republicans ran unopposed. In 2006, there were 45 Democrats unopposed and just 10 Republicans unopposed. And 2014, 40, wait a minute here, 41 Democrats and 36 Republicans unopposed. And in 2016, 35 Democrats, and we don't have any Republicans here. Here, and the average between 2012-2008 was a uh, 23. Here, and in 2018, we had 38 Democrats unopposed and three Republicans unopposed. Now, uh, the correlation uh, slope and bias uh, for the entire period for each of the recent redistricting things shows. Uh, Anyway, they have a scatter plot here. I can't show you that because I, I don't have it. But it does talk about uh, 19, uh, with Pearson here, 1972 to 1980.83. And if you uh, slope of the regression line was 2. And uh, solving for 50% of Democratic vote was 
And then the Democratic vote from 82 to 90 was 56.7. And 92 to 2000 is 53. And 2002 to 2010, 48. And overall, 49.8% um, here. From 2012 to 2018 showed an enlargement of the Republican bias. If the votes were evenly split, the Democrats would have got 46.6% of the seats on the average at 202 seats out of 435. This uh, pretty well describes uh, what has been happening during this decade. In 2012, the Democrats received 50.6% of the vote adjusted, but only 462 of the seats. In 214, Democrats' uh, percentage of adjusted votes was 476 and they won 43.2 in, uh, in seats. In 216, Democrats did slightly better with 49.2 of the vote, but still won only 46.6 of the seats. In 18, the Democrats received 53.5% of the vote and uh, won 335 seats. That was 54%. I count uh, this still undecided seat. Uh, uh, in uh, North Carolina. Anyway, using a regression uh, equation uh, for 12 through 18, the Democrats in uh, 2018 show, should have uh, received 53.1% uh, of the votes and, 30, and 230 seats because they received 53.5% uh, of the vote. Anyway, uh, Theodore Arlington is Professor Emeritus of Political Science at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. He has been an expert uh, witness in over 40 voting rights cases in the United States and Canada. And he's frequently cited in the press. We uh, checked that out. Yes, he indeed he is frequently uh, cited in the press. Let me just check out time here. We'll have, incidentally, Bernie Sanders uh, talking about uh, taxing, uh, putting a 70% tax on millionaires. Uh, let me see what we can find here. Uh, we have Clarence Page hid somewhere in, uh, I'm not sure where he is. No. We may have to put Mr. Page, uh, as sometimes we do, on uh, I guess we'll put him on uh, the week that was. Uh, well, let's get this little one in here right very quickly here. There's a bill. This is from a CNN on uh, the 25th of January. It's been sitting on the desktop here. An Oklahoma uh, bill would revoke a teacher's certificate if they walk out of protest. Obviously a violation of the Constitution. As nationwide wave of teacher strikes keep uh, gaining momentum, an Oklahoma bill would uh, make it illegal for teachers to walk out in protest. This it would be House Bill 2214. doesn't stop there. It would also permanently revoke the certificate of a teacher who broke the rule preventing them from ever teaching in the state again. The bill's office, somebody called Todd Russ, 
said the main point was to make sure kids don't suffer, and he lied. Students deserve to be in a classroom learning and preparing. What different teacher strike happened uh, when uh, battling a school board, said Alice, uh, uh, Alyssa uh, Priest, president of the uh, Oklahoma Education Association. During a strike, teachers usually protest while they are supposed to be in school. But with last year's walkout, many teachers told their administrators they would be absent, and this forced the school district to cancel classes since they wouldn't have enough educators. And because many schools were closed, teachers could protest at the state capitol without punishment. Much like an air traffic controller operator of a school uh, other union groups are not allowed to strike based on safety or the well-being of third parties. The uh, teachers' union also understands when the House Bill uh, 1017 passed in 1990, it would be illegal for them to strike again because it disrupted classes. Thus, the reason for new language. The new bill states it should be illegal for the uh, Board of Education School District uh, employee to uh, strike or threaten to strike or otherwise Closed schools interfere with the school operation. Means of uh, resolving differences with the Board of Education, State Department of Education. Teachers Association leaders said that she thinks the bill is retaliation for the nine-day strike. Priest said students uh, didn't miss much education because uh, some districts missed the days, uh, added the missed days into the year. Before the walkout, uh, some veteran teachers had worked uh, about 10 years to crack uh, $40,000 to support their families. Uh, the fight wasn't about uh, raises, though. The teachers uh, wanted more uh, school funding as high school uh, students uh, read from textbooks as old as they are. So that means the textbooks are 15 years or more. Sometimes the 70 students had to share 25 books. This is unconscionable. Shortly before the uh, teachers uh, were supposed to walk out, the governor at the time, Mayor Phelan, signed uh, a uh, deal that would give them uh, some, but not all, of what they wanted. The deal wasn't enough. The uh, Edge Oklahoma Education Association did uh, not deliver a single dime of value about the pay package uh, we've already delivered before the strike. This is uh, from this character, his uh, revision of history. So much more effective uh, way for teachers to voice their concerns is that this is just a waste of time. You're contacting your uh, legislatures wouldn't uh, make anything there. Incidentally, down in Birmingham, Alabama, while we're here, that uh, Birmingham Institute reinvited uh, the uh, freedom fighter uh, Angela Davis. Uh, they denied her the award uh, put up uh, by a group of Zionists in Birmingham. Uh, she, of course, had not uh, not responded. This was the Fred Shuttlesworth Award. She was a member of uh, uh, Fred Shuttlesworth. She is uh, from uh, Birmingham. Angela is. Uh, follow up the uh, board on uh, public apology uh, to Miss Davis. Has said immediately after the public apology, in keeping with commitment. Uh, to uh, learning from its mistakes, and in order to stay true to Founders' mission, the board uh, voted to reaffirm Dr. Davis as the recipient. So I guess maybe she doesn't really have to show up there. She'll still get an award. 
is a daughter as a daughter of Birmingham is highly regarded throughout the world as a human rights activist, no doubt about that. Said the president and CEO of the Andrea uh, Taylor. In fact, the Schlesinger Library at Harvard's uh, Radcliffe Institute of Advanced Studies acquired her uh, personal archives. That, uh, I didn't know that in 2018, recognizing her significance in the movement for human rights, her involvement in uh, raising issues of a feminism, as well as her leadership in campaigns against mass incarceration. Reverend Thomas uh, Wilder, he's the interim uh, chair said at the end of the day uh, we stand for open and honest dialogue on issues and it is only through our ability to talk openly and honestly with one another's perspectives that we look to move forward the institute's legacy and foster dialogue and goes on to say uh, to accurately reach uh, the Institute's doubling the number of visitors by 2020. This is what the Institute wants to do. Promote the success of a newly uh, designed uh, Civil Rights National Memorial to facilitate uh, superb uh, programming. I hope they'll bring Angela there. This is from Alabama.com, uh, uh, and we'll put it up here later on our Facebook. And let me see what else we can conjure up. Oh, we'll go ahead and do the sports, and, and what we're going to do here is uh, we will, uh, wait a minute, let me get this poll in very quickly. This is from uh, WDIV, uh, Detroit News Poll, uh, Trump faces uphill re-election uh, fight in the state of Michigan. Now, this is uh, DJ Trump's uphill battle in the state of Michigan. The poll released, uh, found the blue wave of uh, 2018 continues. Motivate to vote at high levels, higher levels in Michigan. Voters blame Trump for the shutdown. Michigan voters oppose funding of the wall by 21 points. A 10-point drop in Michigan voters who uh, have put the country on the right track. The motivation to vote in 2020 election amongst Michigan voters is higher than ever. That is according to the... Uh, Glenn Graff Group, uh, 10% scale voters say they are motivated to move. Drop in uh, national uh, right track. Today, 55.7% uh, of Michigan of Michigan now views the nation on the wrong track. 86.1% of African American uh, voters believe it's on the wrong track. Michigan voters are optimistic about the uh, state. And Whitmire, who's the governor there, uh, by a margin of 40.5 to 19.7, uh, voters have a favorable opinion of Governor Whitmire. And European voters are split 40-40 on uh, viewing him favorably compared to 46 viewing him unfavorably. This is DJ Trump. By a margin of uh, 36.5 to 53.3, Michigan voters have an unfavorable opinion of DJ Trump. And I don't know if we have, we don't hear, or here's some of the matchups. Uh, this is uh, four hypothetical matchups in the state of Michigan. Joe Biden leads 53.3% uh, to 44.3% over D.J. Trump. 5% of the voters are uh, not uh, decided. Carmer Harris uh, at 46.6%. 
And she's at 42, very close race between her and DJ Trump with 9% there. Bernie Sanders, 52%. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.